Uh, Please turn in your Bibles this morning for our scripture reading. It is found in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 6 to 11. It is also found on page 11 of your worship guide. And if you are willing and able, please stand for the reading of God's word and be assured that though the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of our God stands forever. Acts chapter 1, 6 to 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the world. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were there gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from heaven before you, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. It's a joy to be with you all. As Colin mentioned already, my name is Chris Peter, and I serve with RUF at Millersville University. This is the start of my third year working with RUF at Millersville, and so I've gotten the the privilege of coming uh, and speaking with you guys uh, a few times, which has always been a joy. It's uh, a blessing of my work that since I don't fill a pulpit on Sunday every week, I get to go around to different churches in the area and open up God's Word with you all, and that is Uh, A sweet thing, and I hope that this morning as we go into God's Word, it'll be an encouraging time for all of us as we hear uh, the gospel preached. We are um, moving into a busy season for uh, my family as uh, students return just uh, a week. This this coming week, students move in, and then uh, the following week is the start of classes, and so I would appreciate your prayers uh, for me as, as I labor on the campus of Millersville and for our students that they would hear the same gospel that uh, is, is preached uh, this morning, that they would hear it uh, day in and day out on Millersville's campus. That is our mission in RUF is to take the gospel to the campus so that students uh, would be met in their daily lives with Jesus. And uh, that's a privilege. Uh, it's also uh, a work And uh, it's a work that only happens through the work of the Spirit. So uh, your prayers and support are very much needed. uh, And I'm thankful for the ways in which you guys are coming alongside of us as we go to the campus of Millersville. This morning, we are going to spend some time together in the book of Acts. We're going to parachute into uh, the the book of Acts and uh, spend time here this morning. This is a passage dealing with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and and his ascension into heaven. And uh, as we look at this passage this morning, I hope that we'll all be encouraged with seeing Jesus 
uh, in his resurrection uh, and the hope that that brings to us, the life that that brings to us, and the, and the mission, the work that that brings for us. Let's, um, let's pray uh, just before we think uh, and, and contemplate God's word more. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage. Thank you for this people. Thank you that you are working in your word and in our hearts, bringing life to us. I pray that your son Jesus would be glorified this morning, that we would be encouraged, even as we're challenged to grow in love for you and love for our neighbors. We thank you that you are with us. Bless this time. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. There are, I think, few things that we love more as people than seeing restoration take place. Whether you are someone who likes to work on uh, old cars, bringing about uh, restoration, uh, as you see something that's broken uh, be restored to to beauty and, and to functionality, or, or whether you like to work on your house, uh, work on small projects or big projects and see a, a space become uh, remade and restored, or, or whether it's uh, in maybe smaller things like watching uh, sports, we love to see a comeback story. Uh, there are all kinds of different ways in which we love restoration. And one of the uh, distinct memories I have uh, as a child was longing for restoration when it came to my toys. I was a child who played rather rough uh, with his toys. I would take my action figures or my my G.I. Joes and I would uh, toss them out of my second floor bedroom window, uh, reenacting some sort of scene with a uh, a cliff or, or a tall building. And the result was that these toys would be broken. And I would long for restoration for them. And so I would grab some duct tape or maybe some super glue uh, and try and uh, restore these broken toys. Uh, And it it was always lacking. It always felt like there was a little bit of of disappointment in the end result of my attempts at restoration. Uh, As a child, with my toys, I longed for restoration. This passage that we see and have read this morning, I think we see the same longing for restoration, and we see how that restoration will take place. The main thing that I hope we take away this morning is this, restoration comes through bearing witness to the resurrected Jesus. Restoration comes through bearing witness the resurrected Jesus. This book, the book of Acts, is a sequel to the book of Luke. The gospel of Luke tells the story of Jesus' life, uh, his death, his resurrection from the dead. And we didn't read the opening couple of verses, but in the opening couple of verses right before this, the the author of, of Acts, Luke, says that this sequel is is picking up where the previous book left off. That this is about the work that Jesus is doing in this world. 
which is kind of confusing, maybe, when we read this passage and we see Jesus go up into heaven. This book and everything that follows is about Jesus and what he is doing, even as Jesus ascends into heaven in this passage. I want you to step into the shoes of Jesus' followers who are with him here uh, outside of the city of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Jesus, their, their teacher, their friend, they saw put to death in, in a brutal fashion. And then he raises up from the dead and he is now in front of them. His, his body made new. He has demonstrated incredible power, power in a way that the world has never seen. And now, as, as they, these followers of Jesus are, are sitting outside of, of Jerusalem, the, the, the capital of their nation, their home, they are longing for restoration. They have seen Jesus restored, and now they long for that power that restored Jesus to lead to restoration in their lives. I think that is is the same thing that we should be feeling, that we would be experiencing if we were with the disciples in this same place. You can feel, I think, their, their excitement when they ask this question. Is it time? Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They, they were experiencing great difficulty and, and challenge, living in a, a, a nation that was ruled by a conqueror. They had just seen their best friend murdered by this nation. They are longing for freedom from oppression. That is, a, a, their, their, ask, their request for restoration of Israel is a manifestation of their longing for restoration in every aspect of their lives. So when Jesus responds to this question by saying, you don't get to know the time or season for restoration, I think it can feel a little bit like a bucket of cold water is being dumped on. They're longing, they're good longing for restoration. Jesus is not seeking to dump a bucket of cold water on the hopes and longing for restoration that the disciples uh, are, are carrying with them in this question. What he is seeking to do is reorient their desire for restoration and our desire for restoration to that of the Father's plans for restoration. He directs them to the authority of the Father. That it is God the Father who is the one who will bring about restoration, who has the authority, and it's going to be according to his plans. We are in need of that reminder, just as the disciples were. We read uh, just a little bit ago from Isaiah 55, uh, talking about restoration. And uh, in there uh, are these words, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Longing for restoration in our lives is right and good, but we need to have our desires aligned with God the Father, the one who has the authority to actually bring about restoration in our world and in our lives. As we engage with the reality of brokenness, the the places in which we most feel a sense of discouragement, of a pain, of sorrow, of loss, we need the reminder that Jesus gives here that it is the Father who has the authority to bring about restoration in our world. Even even as Jesus gives this reminder to us that, that the Father is the one who has the authority to bring about restoration, and that it's going to happen according to his plan, he invites the disciples and us into that restoration. He says, Jesus says to the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I think the disciples were expecting Jesus in all of his resurrection power to, to walk into Jerusalem. They're, they're standing outside of Jerusalem uh, and, and they're expecting him to go in uh, and, and take over, take rule. They want him to exercise his authority. But Jesus says, you're going to participate in the restoration work that I'm doing. That call to participate in the restoration work that God has promised in the world, I think is a bit intimidating. I think if, if you step back and look at the world and the state that it is in, look at your own hearts and lives and the condition of them, you will be intimidated by a call to participate in restoration work. So it is incredibly important that we know and take to heart What Jesus says here, that it is in the power of the Spirit that we participate in this restoration. I'm going to tell another story from my childhood. One of the uh, realities of of, um, being a child is that sometimes you get invited into the work that your parents are doing. Uh, one time as a child, uh, I, uh, I don't even remember how I did it, but I managed to, uh, to kick a hole <laughs> in the wall of, of uh, my childhood home. And uh, that wall was in need of restoration. And uh, my father brought me into the work of restoring that, uh, of patching the, the drywall. And uh, unlike my uh, restoration attempts uh, with my toys... Uh, the wall was patched uh, and, and restored to look right. And the reason why was not because of the work that I was doing. Even as my father brought me into that work, it was because my father was with me. His knowledge, his experience, his authority enabled me to participate in that work of restoration. Restoration. 
The same thing is taking place in terms of our inclusion in the work of restoration that God is working. It is by the power of the Father, His Spirit dwelling in us, that we are a part of restoration in this world. So what is the restoration work then that we are called to participate in? Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. The work that God gives us in bringing about restoration is not about us. It is about the one that we bear witness to. It is about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross and bore the weight of sin and death, and when he, was, when he rose up from the dead, he did what was necessary to bring about restoration. The problem in our world is sin. That we are rebels against God. That we have marred his great work of creation. And so the, the work of restoration that needs to take place is remedying sin. And Jesus is the one who has done that. So our work then becomes that of pointing towards, pointing to the one who has done that work. The disciples were called to be eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus because it was the resurrection of Jesus that secured the restoration of the world. And and we have not seen Jesus in his resurrected form, but we are called to be witnesses to the work of restoration that Jesus has accomplished in his resurrection. We are spiritually dead people who are made spiritually alive by the power of Jesus working in us. And so our lives are places where Jesus is witnessing, is is being witnessed to the world through how we are restored. I think this this is a place where we feel tension in the Christian life. Because you all here, on a Sunday morning, even as you are gathered uh, and seeking to, to faithfully follow Jesus, or, or maybe you're here uh, wanting to, and, and being curious about who Jesus is, we are people who are not perfect. We have sins, we have struggles. And so, That call to to bear witness to Jesus, I think, can feel challenging. But the reality of the call of bearing witness to Jesus is one of restoration from sin and death to life. From suffering and sorrow, from faithlessness to faithfulness, to joy and peace. We struggle with the realities of our world. The suffering that we undergo. The tension that we experience. Maybe you are here experiencing conflict with your spouse. Or conflict with your parents. Maybe you are experiencing disappointment at how work is. Or how school is. Maybe you are experiencing sickness in your body. 
in all of these places, we do not get to experience fully uh, or, or know fully why God causes us to undergo these, these challenges. But we do get to see the bigger picture that Jesus is using those places as means in which we can bear witness to him as our lives are restored from death to life. You see this play out in the book of Acts with the apostles. They experience great suffering and sorrow and, and challenge. All but one of them uh, end up dying as a result of their faith, of, of being martyred. That reality of, of suffering and death are places that God uses to bear witness to Jesus and the resurrection power that is bringing restoration in this world. The same is true for us and for our lives. As we share in the call to participate in the, in the work of restoration that Jesus is working in this world, uh, we're called to be witnesses to Jesus. And we're called to do it in our specific places that we are. Uh, the disciples, it was really interesting. Uh, it's noted uh, by, the, um, by the men who come and, and bring the, the message in the last verses of this passage, that these are men of Galilee. Uh, they are uh, largely not from Jerusalem itself. They're, they're sort of country folk. Um, and they're now called to minister in the particular place that they are, Jerusalem. And they're called to be witnesses. For us, we are called to be witnesses in the particular places that God has put us. Here in Lancaster County, in central Pennsylvania, in the United States of America. But even as we're called into the particular places of our lives, in unique situations, we're also invited into the much bigger work of restoration that God is doing in this world. The disciples want restoration in Israel, their home. Jesus says that restoration is going to come as they are witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. God's plan for restoration is bigger than us. He is working in and through us and in this world to bring restoration. And that means we have to be challenged to long for restoration to come, uh, even to the places where, where we are most uncomfortable, to those of our enemies, to those of uh, the world as a whole. Gospel restoration is about Jesus and the work that he is doing in this world. We are people defined by Jesus and his work. And so I think that we can be tempted like the disciples in this passage, that when Jesus ascends into heaven, to be there sort of staring up into the clouds, 
wondering, what is happening? This is about Jesus and his power and authority. Where is he? Jesus meets the disciples and us in that questioning by giving a promise at the end of this passage. By saying that this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus did not ascend into heaven in order to flee away from this world and its problems. He ascended into heaven in order to send his spirit to live in us and work in us the restoration power that he testifies to in his resurrection. But even as we testify to that in our lives, we do so with hope and confidence that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is going to finish the story. Jesus is going to accomplish the restoration that he started. And we can take confidence in that. We need that hope and that reminder as we go about our daily lives and seek to witness to Jesus. One of my favorite images of restoration and what we are longing for to see take place comes from the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, C.S. Lewis's children's series that gives a a ton of of beautiful imagery uh, related to the work that God is doing in the world. Uh, In the last book, uh, a book called The Last Battle, there uh, is... a pervading darkness that is over Narnia. There is, is constant uh, discouragement uh, and death taking place. And the way in which the, the story uh, culminates is, is increasing darkness, increasing darkness, uh, and, and loss. And then the defeat of that darkness and a restored world. And there's this scene uh, after the Narnia has been restored into this uh, new Narnia, in which uh, a character named uh, Jewel the Unicorn says this, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we love the old Narnia is that sometimes it looked a little like this. This world is one in which we are longing for restoration. There is beauty and goodness that the Lord is redeeming. But we are to be longing for that final restoration and working and pointing towards the one who brings that restoration to Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord. Let's pray.